Alright yo, what is going on? This is your man L Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is a place where you say what you want as long as you got the facts. Uh, let's get right into it, of course. We have a, a lot of things to go over tonight. Uh, we're gonna, it's going to be ranging from the NFL, of course, some college football. Uh, I got some basketball news to go over as well. And uh, just for the sake of it, let's talk a little bit about this election. Not too much because uh, I'm over and done with it. I've I feel like I've talked about both of these guys way too much for uh, the time being. So we're just going to just take a little quick look uh, at some of this election stuff going on. But uh, let's start everything off, like I said, in the NFL. Uh, we're going to start off with some Thursday night football. Uh, and, of course, the Packers got it done last night against the Niners. 34-17 to is the final score there. Uh, the Packers moved to 6-2 and two on the year. The Niners, uh, they moved to 4-5 and five for the Packers, of course. Another good game from Aaron Rodgers, 25-31 of 31, uh, for 305 yards. He would also have four touchdowns. Aaron Jones would have 58 rushing yards. Devontae Adams would be the leading receiver uh, for both teams with 10 receptions. Actually, um, actually he's the second... Uh, he's a, he was the second leading receiver in terms of yardage uh, with 173 yards on the touchdown. Marquez Valdez-Scantling would have two uh, two receptions for 53 yards and two receiving touchdowns to add to that. And tight end Mercedes Lewis would have a receiving touchdown. On defense, the Packers were helped out by safety Adrian Amos. He would have five total tackles. Linebackers Darius Smith would have a sack. And also safety Raven Green would have an interception. For the Niners, Nick Mullins would get the start. He would go 22 of 35 for 295 yards. He would throw a touchdown, but he would throw a pick as well. Jared McKinney would have 52 yards on the ground with a touchdown and wide receiver Ricky, sorry, Richie James was the leading receiver in terms of yards. He would have nine catches, 184 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and linebacker Fred Warner would be the leading tackler for the Niners with 13 total tackles. A few takeaways from this game, uh, this is pretty much a race to 24. 24 points, that being for the Niners. All five of uh, San Francisco's losses this season have occurred when they've given up 24 points or more. Conversely, in all four of their wins, they've gone, they was only, I'm sorry, they've only given up less than 24 points. So uh, for the Niners, I know it's going to be a little bit difficult now, um, you know, in terms of, Scoring. There's a lot of players offensively that are missing. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Kendrick Bourne has been added to the COVID list. So, uh, but again, they play solid enough defensively to the point where I think they should still have a, a solid chance in every game. But like I said, the stat here, the key stat for them is 24 points. If they give up 24 points or more, it's a wrap. If they can keep teams, you know, limited in terms of scoring, like I said, for this team, it's going to work for them. The stats don't lie, but I think for that defense, this team still has it's capable enough defense uh, to to get something to salvage something. Uh, I, I think this team now, I don't want to say a free fall, but again, I think this is like their second loss in a row. There's just players that just keep getting added to that either the injured resist, uh, sorry, injured reserve list or the COVID list, something like that, but. Uh, there's a lot of issues for the Niners here. Uh, the Packers have allowed only, uh, sorry, have, a, have allowed a sack or less in seven games. All, sorry, in seven games this season, this is the most in the NFL. And finally, Aaron Rodgers is fourth in the NFL in 300 uh, plus yard outings with four touchdowns to go along with that. He has 18 of those games, so eight, 18 games Rodgers has had with 300 yards or more and four touchdowns. So again, he's just one of those. Again, another stat to add to why he's 
to add to why he's elite. So let's move on. We're going to talk some news uh, in the league real quick, uh, starting with my Raiders. Uh, they just can't seem to get out of their own way. Uh, they get, they're getting into a lot of trouble uh, through this COVID stuff and their lack of protocols or lack of following of the protocols. Uh, the Raiders have been fined $500,000 and have had their six-round draft pick recently taken away from them. Uh, Dude, like I said, due to repeated violations of the league's COVID protocols. Head, co uh, head coach John Gruden has been fined $150,000 as well. Uh, the team has also had uh, fines of $250K, a uh, bunch of different fines on assorted players, including tight end Darren Waller, who got a 30, uh, sorry, yes, a 30K fine. Um, and I believe um, different players like Derek Carr, they also were able to, they also got like 15K fines, something like that. Altogether, the Raiders have been fined over $1 million. And uh, this is an issue because, again, uh, not only are we, of course, being the poster child of what not to do, of course, in terms of, you know, us getting caught, but our players are not doing so good as well. Because, again, we've got to remember our starting right tackle, Trent Brown, uh, he happened to catch the shit. And I, if I'm not mistaken, he's still dealing with those complications and i don't think he's playing this week and if he were to go back a couple weeks ago our whole o-line almost had to sit out against tampa bay so a little bit ridiculous here i mean you got to get it right uh and that's just unfortunate but uh you know hopefully it doesn't take away too much from our our ability to, to play these games because you know uh in the case of some of these college football stories i'll tell you just in just a little bit it's a uh, it's not so easy uh but there 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 was the NFL trade line uh trade deadline excuse me uh that did come and go uh as it normally does uh but some of the biggest moves that come out of that uh we got linebacker Avery Wilson going to the Jets going from the Jets to Pittsburgh for a fifth round pick uh of course the Jets they're trying to create some draft capital we all know that they're probably more than like well they are uh pretty much the team in the running to get um uh, sorry uh, Trevor Lawrence, that is, that is, if he decides to go out of school, there's, I mean, decide to leave school at the end of this season. There's a lot of talk about that. We'll get to that at some other point. But again, uh, they're trying to build some draft capital around potentially getting to draft him. Uh, defensive in Yannick and Glockway. We talked about this a little bit earlier, though. Uh, from the Vikings, he made his uh, way to Baltimore, I believe, for some fifth and sixth round picks as well. Uh, you got defensive tackle Carlos Dunlap of the Bengals. Uh, he was shipped off to Seattle. We got defensive back Desmond King of the Chargers being shipped out to Tennessee for a six-round pick next season. And linebacker Quan Alexander, formerly of the Landers, was shipped out to Buffalo in exchange for another linebacker in Kiko Alonso and a fifth-round pick for next season. So, again, not too much, uh, not too many crazy moves, I think. I think the, the most surprising one, at least in my opinion, was Quan Alexander just because I figured... Um, I don't know. I mean, I I didn't know that. Well, again, I'm not I'm not too far into what the Niners are going, but uh, or what they have going on. But from what I was able to gather, uh, he's had a little bit of a step off last year. Uh, they're paying him a whole you know a whole heap of money. Uh, he's played in about 13 games out of 24 games uh, in in total since they've signed him to that big contract, and they're getting a lot of good numbers and good production from Drake Greenlaw. So I think that's pretty much the case there. Uh, with Kiko Alonso, they're getting a solid linebacker who has some experience. Again, uh, he is a free agent, so uh, they don't have to pay him a whole lot of money. And if they were to bring him back, I'm pretty sure he he 
wouldn't be commanding the same amount of money as Quan Alexander. Uh, so let's move on to some college football. Um, be going over some news real quick. And uh, the COVID, again, uh, like I said, there were some scary stories here in the Pac-12. Uh, the the Pac-12 season opener between Cal and Washington has been canceled after just one Cal player tested positive, leading to several players being forced to quarantine. Uh, six players will need to quarantine for up to 14 days. Their game next week, well, it would be, yes, it would be next week against Arizona State, uh, would be up uh, up in jeopardy as well. Uh, the players' entire, well, we don't know exactly who the player is, uh, but we do know that he is a lineman. Like I said, offensive or defense, we don't necessarily know, but that whole, petition, whole positional group will be out this week. So that leads to Cal having to cancel the game uh, because that whole, like I said, that whole position group need to self-isolate. Uh, for the positive player, he has been listed, he has been listed as asymptomatic, but as for everyone else, uh, they still need to be kept in isolation until they continue to, t- well, well, as well, as long as they continue to test negative, uh, they should be back after this week, after this weekend. Uh, this is coming from a spokesperson from the Berkeley Public Health, uh, Matai Shako. Uh, they went on to say a negative test can uh, doesn't cure somebody from COVID and doesn't remove uh, the chance that the virus may appear. And they went on to say that that is why pretty much they have everybody self-isolate because, again, doesn't mean uh, because you're testing negative, you, we, we all kind of get it. So it's all about kind of, you know, social distancing and trying to keep that virus at bay by keeping people as far away from each other as possible. So I, I pretty much completely get it. Uh, it's just unfortunate because, again, uh, the, the Pac-12 has waited so long and right off the bat, uh, we're canceling some games. Uh, moving on to the Friday night top 25 action. We got number nine Boise State blowing. Sorry, number nine BYU blowing out number 21 Boise State, 51 to 17 is the final score here. BYU is uh, still undefeated at A and O, uh, and Boise State is now two and one. For BYU, they were led by quarterback Zach Wilson. He would go 21 of 27 for 359 yards. He would have. Uh, Two touchdowns in the air and one touchdown on the ground. Tyler Algier was a leading touchdown. Sorry, was a leading rusher. Excuse me for the for the Cougars with 123 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Zachary Katoa would have 66 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And wide receiver Gunner Romy would be the leading receiver for BYU. Six catches from him, 133 yards. Uh, you also got Dax Milner. Uh, sorry, Dax Milne with three receptions and 99 yards and tight end Isaac. Rex with that two receiving touchdowns. On defense, the Cougars were led by uh, linebacker Keenan Peely. He would have nine total tackles. And defensive lineman uh, Gabe Summer, he would have four total tackles and a sack. Moving on for Boise State, the Broncos, uh, they were led by Cade Finnegan. Uh, their normal um, their normal starter, Hank Bachmeyer, was out tonight. I got to figure out what's going on with that. I think there was some injury issues last week versus Air Force, but I'll have to look back into that and, and uh, fill you guys in on what's going on there. But for Kay Finnegan filling in, play, in the place for him, uh, he would go 15 to 26 for 182 yards, two touchdowns, but he would throw an interception. Andrew Van Bruin, uh, not too much to say from him in this game, or just 45 yards on the ground. Raw receiver Khalil Shakir would be the leading receiver for the Broncos with 10 receptions, 139 yards, and two touchdowns. Receptions and finally on defense, uh, Boise State. Their leading stack, sorry, their leading tackler was Sam Whitney at the DN spot with six total tackles and a sack. We also got uh, number eleven Miami 
getting it done, almost needing over overtime to do it, but they get it done by three against North Carolina State, needing 13 unanswered points. Actually, yeah, 13 points uh, in the final quarter to do so, just to be pushed over the edge. This was a back-and-forth affair. 44-41 to 41 is the final score here for number 11, Miami. They are now 6-1 and one, uh, for North Carolina State. They are 4-3. and three. Uh, Quarterback De'Ari King got to start on the center. He would go 31-41 for Miami for five touchdowns. Uh, he would also have 105 rushing yards. He was the leading rusher for the Hurricanes. Rob receiver Mike Harley was a leading receiver with eight receptions, 152 yards and two touchdowns. Mark Pope would have just about 100 yards almost uh, on six receptions and a touchdown. And Will, uh, I think that's Will Mallory, the tight end, and uh, Rob receiver Dequarius Wiggins would also bring in touchdown catches as well. Defensive lineman Jalen Phillips would be the leading tackler tonight with 10 total tackles in the sack. For North Carolina State, uh, we have Bailey Hockman. Uh, he would go 19-28 for 248 yards and two touchdowns. Ricky Person Jr. would have 29 rushing yards. Uh, and Zonovan Knight would have a rushing touchdown. Um, and the leading receiver for the Wolfpack uh, last night or tonight, depending on when you're listening to this, was Emeka Amezier. Four receptions for 95 yards. And Corey, um, sorry, Corey Angeline, the tight end, would have uh, 54 receiving yards and a touchdown. And defensive back Ty Baker, uh, Ty Baker Williams would have 14 total tackles and a sack. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about some t- uh, some big time matchups occurring tomorrow again or today. Kind of when you're looking at this, we got number eight Florida taking on uh, Georgia at the number five spot. Both teams just have one loss. Georgia is three and one. Uh, sorry, Florida is three and one. Georgia is four and one, respectively. This is the third straight season that both teams are facing off when they're in the top ten. Uh, and they're both coming off some wins. Georgia has been placed as a 3.5 favorite. Now, for Georgia, uh, they're going to be having quarterback Stetson Bennett on the center. Uh, the last six quarters have been a struggle for him, uh, despite Georgia, you know, still made, you know, still getting some wins. Four interceptions, two fumbles he's given up, just one rushing touchdown, zero pass touchdowns. So, uh, look for Florida to key in on that defensively. They do have a solid enough defense, I feel, to give this guy. Uh, even more problems, uh, but on in terms of running, they do have a three-man rotation of James Cole. I'm sorry, James Cook, uh, Zamir White, and Kendall Milton. Cole has had two back-to-back games with 100-plus yards from scrimmage, receiving and rushing. Zamir White would have 100-plus yards rushing last week, and um, from what I've heard, this is what they say: Milton is the best of the bunch, but that's what they say. Uh, this was all done last week, at least uh, the numbers for Zamir White, the 100-yard rushing performance was last week against Kentucky, and as far as Georgia is concerned, they are also 15th in overall defense, so like I said, a team that can run the ball very well, uh, they, you know, they have some issues with the quarterback position, but they play defense pretty well, so look for them to try to force uh, some turnovers uh, and try to get the ball into Georgia, or at least the offense's hand as much as possible. For Florida, they are 18th in overall offense, so a little bit of a a little bit of a flip here. Uh, offensively, the Gators are led by quarterback Kyle Trask, 18 touchdowns this season, um, in just four games, uh, nine to one touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, he just has four inter. Oh, can't no, he just has two interceptions. I'm duh. What am I talking about? Uh, tight end Kyle Pitts would have 22 receiving. Uh, sorry, 22 receptions for 355 yards and seven touchdowns. And wide receiver Kadarius Tony would have 22 has 22 receptions on the year as well for 297 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, I don't have a well. I mean, 
I say this. I think uh, Georgia has the better quarterback. I think Georgia has the better offense in terms of skill players. Of course, they have the tight end and the receivers. Uh, I, I will say Georgia might have a more solid running game. I think defense, both teams are really solid. Uh, I think Georgia does rank a little bit higher. And in terms of coaching, I would actually, despite uh, Kirby Smart not really getting it, well, actually this series seems to go back and forth if I'm not mistaken. So uh, this one is a toss-up for me. I don't really have a I don't really have a favorite in this one. Uh, moving on, we got a Big Ten matchup between two ranked teams. Number 23 Michigan, who is 500 so far in the year, one and one, is going to be headed up against number 13 Indiana, who is undefeated at two and zero. Uh, Michigan is currently a three-point favorite for this game. Uh, for Michigan, it will be led by quarterback Joe Milton. He has 575 passing yards on the year so far, uh, throwing at a 64% completion percentage. Uh, he has 100, 111 yards so far and a touchdown on the ground. Uh, for Michigan, they are 21st overall on offense and 25th in the nation in running. Uh, they are also 27th in the nation on the flip side. Uh, so, uh, they are 27th in the nation against the run. Uh, they are also giving up 25 points a game, though, on defense. So they can move the ball down the field. They can score to an extent. They move the ball very well through the, on the ground. I've seen this as well. Uh, but they do give up a, a good amount of points on the on defensive end. Uh, moving on to Indiana, uh, they average just about 75 yards uh, per game. Uh, rushing, and they only gave two. They only gained 211 yards total uh, a couple weeks ago versus Penn State, even though that was a win. However, offensively, uh, the Hoosiers are led by Michael Penix Jr. Penix with an X. That's just his name. 408 yards, four touchdowns and interceptions. Uh, four, sorry, four touchdowns and an interception. He also has two rushing touchdowns. Uh, Indiana only converts third on third down. 26% of the time, so that's a knock against him. I, if I were to say anything, the Hoosiers are 40th in total defense and 20th uh, against the run. Indiana has four, six turnovers on six turnovers on the year, five interceptions and and a fumble. Um, looking at this one, um, if I'm Michigan, I would not overlook this team. I understand that they could. I understand why they are a three-point favorite. Um, again, I think they have well. Um. It's hard to say here. I mean, uh, you have somebody with with Phoenix Jr. who's uh, who who's scoring a lot, who scored a lot more uh, in terms of his passing. Uh, with somebody with Joe Milton who doesn't have the interception there, uh, who who can run the ball pretty well too. Uh, actually, both quarterbacks run the ball pretty well. Uh, Indiana's biggest knock is that they only convert on third down. Only so much of the time, uh, 26% of the time, uh, not a whole lot to be expected here from them offensively. Michigan has a little bit extra defensively, so I would give Michigan the nod uh, just because I'm not too sure what Indiana is going to be bringing to the table offensively, but uh, do not be surprised if Indiana is able to step up and give them a run for their money. Uh, up next, we have uh, my final key matchup. I got number one Clemson, 7-0, and taking on 6-0. Uh, and uh, Notre Dame, who is number four in the nation. Now, Clemson is still without quarterback Trevor Lawrence, but is still a five-point favorite on the road. Uh, this Saturday, the Clemson will be, uh, of course, using the services of quarterback DJ Ugalele. Uh He was 30-41 last week for 342 yards and two touchdowns versus Boston College. Of course, they can tra uh, count on Travis Etienne to lead the way for them uh, if they really need to. 606 rushing yards, nine touchdowns. Uh, Clemson scores at 46 points a game, 
and only gives up 15 points uh, themselves. Uh, they are ninth in the nation in total defense and third, uh, 13th against the pass, uh, just giving up 174 yards per game. Um, we already talked about Notre Dame and their their quarterback who has a lot of issues, to say the least, Ian Brook in terms of consistency. I definitely like the, the Tigers matchup uh, against the quarterback, the 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 Fighting Irish's quarterback for Notre Dame. Uh, the, the Fighting Irish are 12th in rushing. Uh, they are led by running back Karen Williams. He has 600 yards on the year. Uh, he has seven touchdowns, and they also 32nd in total scoring with just 34 points a game, almost 35 points a game. So, again, both of these teams uh, coming in with some really star-studded running backs, uh, top of the class, top of the nation type of running backs. So uh, that's going to be a focal point, I know for a fact. Uh, who can grind the clock a little bit more, especially with uh, one team having a quarterback who doesn't have a whole lot of experience, and another team having a quarterback who's so-so. Uh, look for both of these teams to try to run the ball early and, of course, often. Uh, for Notre Dame, they are third in the nation versus the run. They only give up 94 yards a game. Uh, the defense is led by safety Kyle Hamilton, which is he has is a team-leading tackler with 28 uh, tackles. Uh, he also has three pass deflections. And also linebacker uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora uh, helps out on the defensive end as well with 25 total tackles, a sack, an interception, and a fumble on his end. Notre Dame has first set for 17 sacks on the year and also has forced 17 turnovers. Uh, both of these teams, in my opinion, have the ability to get after the quarterback. Uh, both team has both teams have the ability to get turnovers. I'm just not convinced um, by Ian Brook. Um, I definitely think the Irish have a solid running game. I just think it's really going to be very hard. Of uh, Karen Williams is going to be the main focus, and I think he is. I, I think it's hard for him to going to. I think it's going to be hard for him just by himself to be effective against uh, this Clemson defense. I, get, I think Clemson has so many other pieces uh, in terms of their wide receivers. I can't name any off the t I think Amari Rodgers is one of them. Um, you also got the running back situation with ATN. And then, of course, Ugalele, uh he showed up last week. He seems to be uh, a solid uh, fill-in for Trevor Lawrence. So I think it's going to be difficult for Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame would want – I mean, I think Notre Dame thinks they have a shot – uh, without Trevor Lawrence, and it's it's logical to say that they do, but I, I just I got I got Clemson in this one. I, I just have a feeling. Moving on, we also got some Pac-12 uh, action Saturday. Of course, this is the first week of Pac-12 football. Uh, we're gonna talk just a little bit about. Well, we're, I'm just gonna name some of the games we have this weekend. First up, we have Arizona State traveling out to LA to face number 20 USC. Up next, we have UCLA on the road to face Colorado. We got Washington. Uh, Washington State facing off against Oregon State and Corvallis. And uh, I think the most important of the matchups, we got number 12, Oregon at home versus Stanford. Look out for this one. Oregon has brought in one of their best recruiting classes uh, in a very long time, I think, ever. Uh, they're coming off a solid Rose Bowl win last season. Last season, of course, uh, I do not think I know the starter just yet. I, there's no guarantee. They... Yeah, as far as I know, I will know come game time. I don't think they said anything just yet. Uh, however, uh, we do have another cancellation. Uh, we have uh, Arizona at Utah. Uh, that game will be uh, canceled as well due to some positive tests that Utah recently got. So, again, y'all, uh, COVID just keeps striking, just keeps doing its thing. 
and it's putting a damper on a lot of people's plans. And I'm pretty sure Arizona and Utah wanted that game. Um, I'm pretty sure they wanted that game too, because both of those teams uh, probably, you know, with a win and just what's going on next, you know, this season in terms of the rankings, they might benefit from a win and end up on the top 25 just with what's going on. So they would have benefited from being able to play this week, in my opinion. All right, y'all. I'll be taking a, a quick break, and when I get back, I'll be going over some NBA news, uh, talking some shit there, and then also, like I said, we're going to be wrapping everything up uh, with this uh, election. You know, it's not done yet, of course, but we're just going to talk a little bit about it. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. So let's talk some NBA, and it looks like uh, things will be coming back a little bit soon, sooner than what we thought. The NBA Players Association uh, would uh, vote, uh, well, has voted to start off the league, well, has voted to agree to start off the league on December the 22nd, where they reduced 70 games, 72 game schedule. Uh, now the league and the players union are also working to open up a free agency period on November the 18th. Oh, sorry. Uh, they they want to open up a free agency period before the November 18th draft. That is when they would like to have the draft. A little bit later on this month, uh, training and free agency. Uh, sorry, training training camp would be expected to begin on December the first. The players are also working with the with the league for a new collective bargaining agreement with the uh, trade moratorium. Uh, ending prior to the draft as well. Uh, I think the biggest thing now is I don't think they decided on whether or not uh, they want to be in a bubble or they're going to allow full games. Uh, again, uh, part of what they wanted to do or part of what they're basing a lot of their income on is that they get some type of uh, some type of uh, ticket sales. I think uh, there is a contingency plan unless they don't get any any ticket sales. I think that changes the CBA or something like that. Um, so yeah, they're still trying to work some things out because again, it's all about maximizing the profit. That's why we're having this season anyway, so we can get some type of income at least for the league. I mean, I don't I don't play in the league, so I don't I'm not getting nothing either way. Um, now the league is expected to bring in well if it is you know continues like it is. Uh, it's seventy-two game season. Uh, was expected to make five hundred million in short-term revenue, and up to one billion dollars in long-term revenue. Uh, the goal, like I said, is to have a seventy-two game season. Uh, I believe, which is which will be done uh, right around, including the playoffs. Uh, what they were saying sometime before the Summer Olympics or something like that. You know, trying to get that out the way so they can make sure that they get uh, 
maximum coverage, uh, maximum eyes on the product. Uh, a lot of people talked about why the viewership was down this year in terms of the NBA, and they wanted to blame uh, some of the players' uh, social activism and stuff like that. Although I believe that that is some of it, um, I also believe that there's also so many there was also so many sports going on at the same time. You had the MLB, uh, you also had the NFL. So two of America's most popular sports, uh, well, all three of them. All were converging all at the same time, and then you also had college football in the mix as well, uh, which which definitely has its fan base. So again, all those chipped into what you know, uh, all that chipped into that. Not just you know, I don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, I've had seen somewhat of a black backlash uh, amongst fans against what's being done in the NBA with the Black Lives Matter and all that type of stuff. The league has decided to walk away from that stuff, but I don't think that's entirely, uh, again, I don't think that's entirely the reason the uh, the figures were, the, were down this year. Again, you had a whole lot of other sports going on. You had a whole lot of other drama in general going on. Um, you know, what can you, what can you really say? Like, you know, right when the season ended, we were near the heart or near the end of pretty much the campaign trail in terms of the president, the, you know, the presidential election. So, um, again, I, I totally, I totally get both sides. I, again, I have, I've had heard of, I've had heard of the backlash from, uh, more conservative fans about what's going on in the NBA. I've had heard that, uh, but I don't think, again, I think that's, I don't think the conservative fan base is a large part of the NBA, large enough for those viewing for those ratings to go that down. Um, I think the NBA is a much broader sport than NFL and it brings out a whole lot of different people than just the conservative white fan base who's against social, you know, commentary or social, you know, talking about what's going on in social politics. I, I think that that demographic of course is there, but it's not large enough to do what it did this season in terms of viewing. Please don't 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 shit yourself. Uh, that I mean again, um, basketball is a more world populous, more popular sport worldwide. Um, again, the, I'm pretty sure the numbers. If you looked at the international numbers for this season's uh, playoffs in the bubble, they would be pretty high. It's just probably domestically, and again, that go. That's because there's a lot of that was a lot of other shit. Like literally, you had two two uh, two playoffs playoffs going off at the same time the MLB and the NBA come on you know it's not going to be that easy to try to compete it's going to be very hard to compete with viewers when you got that going on uh so again um they're looking to be the only thing pretty much on TV at some point of course you know they have to compete with the NFL for a little bit up until about January of course you know uh but by that time NBA should be, you know, like it normally, like it usually is. But again, it's going to be some differences because of this COVID thing. It's still, we're still working our ways out of it. So uh, believe me, trust and still that there's going to still be people missing time because of this. Uh, there's going to be some some major changes, I feel, right before the season starts. Um, again, because I don't even think they've decided whether or not they really actually want to have go back to actual. I think they'll allow teams to go back to their facilities, and they have been. Teams have been at their facilities. Uh, the question is, are they going to be bringing fans into stadiums and, and trying to do all that and having fan events and all that type of stuff? That is something that we're going to have to still be waiting on. Uh, let's move on. Uh, of course, uh, Daryl Morey. I'm sure a lot of you probably have found out about this at some point in time, my NBA fans. But Daryl Morey, uh, former GM of the Houston Rockets, has finally has uh, well, he finally has found a new home. 
uh, it is going to be in Philadelphia. He was not lying about going back east, but I wasn't too sure if he was looking for a new job or not, but apparently he was. He signs a five-year deal worth $50 million to become the president of basketball operations. Like I said, he's going to be he's going to Philly. He'll be working with the 76ers. Uh, now, Maury has spent 13 seasons in Houston. Of course, many playoff runs, many playoff regrets. You know, we already know what's uh, going on there. Uh, but uh, as far as for what's going on in uh, Philly right now, he seems to want to keep things as normal as possible in terms of uh, the two main stars, uh, that being Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. This was his thoughts on that. For what it's worth, uh, the new man in charge believes that the team can succeed without moving one of them. I absolutely, I absolutely think they can work together. And the thing about it is, so does head coach Doc Rivers and even general manager Elton Brand. So it will be up to those three parties, uh, because they've said this, it'll be up to those three parties to make sure that this shit works. Otherwise, um, it's going to be um, tough breaks for a lot of different people. Uh, but um, despite the changes, uh, some things will remain the same. Like I said, uh, Elton Brand has been, uh, well, he will be re retaining his job as a team GM. Uh, he's been there, I believe, since 2018. Yes, so they resigned, they resigned him. They resigned him recently, so he will be here uh, for you know for the long haul. Now, outside of trying to make Simmons and Embiid work together, the three will also need to provide them with depth, despite having over 80% of their salary cap being paid to them, um, and also a power forward slash center uh, Al Horford. And also for Tobias Harris. Uh, now Al Horford will be bringing in uh, eighty. Well, he'll he'll be getting paid eighty million dollars over three more years. So again, that's just an example of just what they have to do, um, just to kind of make this team work and what they kind of got to work around. And we already know. I'm not, and I'm pretty sure Embiid and um, Embiid and Simmons's contracts are within a hundred a hundred million. So, but that's I could be a little bit off, but. It gotta be up there. The team has recently also expressed interest in James Harden. Um, of course, um, this is his with his connection, you know, with your boy. Um, I'm sorry, with with you know, Daryl Morey, of course, in Houston. Um, of course, Houston has denied any type of uh, trade rumors. Of course, they don't want to give up to the guy. I can see why. That's their man. Uh, they've had him for years. Um, but again, I mean, who knows? Uh, James Harden, of course, averaged about 34 points last season. I don't know what type of package the Sixers could get for him, or it, I'm hearing it might involve like some three-team trade. So I don't know exactly how you would do it, uh, but it's something that the Sixers have at least uh, put out there. So you got to give them some credit. At least they're trying to make some moves. Uh, they putting themselves out there. They 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 trying to speak some things into existence. So we'll just have to give them, uh, well, you know, yeah, we'll have to give them some good luck. All right, y'all, let's talk about this uh, election. Of course, uh, we've been talking about this since uh, they all started counting these votes in Election Day on the 4th or whatever. Uh, now, as far as what's going on, of course, this is the battle for the the leader of the aristocracy, the leader of the, arist sorry, the aristocratic oligarchy. This is all we're talking about here. I want y'all to remember this. So as far as as far as the race for the leader of the aristocratic, the aristocratic oligarchy, Biden is currently in the lead 
currently leads the popular vote by three million. Uh, in terms of percentage points, uh, it'll be about three fifty to forty-seven percent. Now, Biden also leads on the electoral vote. The electoral vote count, excuse me, two fifty-three to two fourteen for Trump. Of course, you need two seventy to win. And remember, guys, this is not the battle for president of the United States. This is for the leader of the aristocratic oligarchy because that's who runs this country. It's the rich, the rich. We can get into the demographics, but we just know that it's, it's the it's the highly super rich and the super wealthy, and they use these politicians as their conduits. Let's just be honest. Let's just keep it real. I'm not buying it. We've I've already discussed how I felt about both of these guys. Whoopty fucking do. Biden is gonna be in the lead. Well. Let's just hope and pray his vision of, of America has been better than the last four years. Oh, whoop de doo I don't know. He just seems just as racist as me. As 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 since he seems just as racist as Trump to me. And all these, you know, people trying to fall for both of them. You got black people cussing each other out online. T.I. calling out all type of rappers and saying all this shit because he think he woke for the other side. Listen, I, I'm not buying it. Uh, again, you know how I feel. I'm done with the whole Democrat Republican argument. I'm done with it. I'm done with it, guys. Um, however, this this race is very interesting. Uh, Trump was leading a whole bunch of different states at one point in time. Uh, looked like he could have went his way easily. I think on Thursday or Wednesday or whatever, he had leads in Michigan, Pennsylvania. Um, of course, he ended up winning. You know his his well. The Republican stronghold states that we know that they're going to win Texas, Florida. Uh, he ended up doing very well in the South, of course. He controls the South. Republicans control the South and pretty much the Midwest. The Midwest that's not um, that's not Pennsylvania or you know Wisconsin or whatever or Michigan. Um, uh, well, or well, Trump did have a well. He did have a lead in Michigan up until the next day. I wake up and here we are with Biden taking the lead. Uh, Biden was given was given to well he was originally declared the winner of Arizona at some point. Now that's still up in the air, although he's still in the lead. Uh, as far as what's what else is going on, um, like I said, he uh, Trump had leads in Pennsylvania and Georgia, but they were flipped uh, for Biden within about forty eight hours. Uh, Biden is consistently leading in Arizona, um, although like I said, it's gotten a little bit closer. Uh, they should be about 90% done counting their votes everywhere else. They're about 99% done. North Carolina uh, looks like Trump is leading there. He might, he's probably going to win that state when it's all said and done. But as far as Georgia, Pennsylvania is concerned, he's won those states. Biden has won those states. As far as Trump camp is concerned, of course, it's going to be recounts for those states. Uh, like I said, Nevada is taking his time. It's probably the least populous of all these states, and they're just deciding to hold everything up. Um, with their, with yeah, uh, but Biden was leading there too. Uh, like I said, Trump wants p recounts. He's probably gonna get them. He doesn't really want to concede. Do you blame him? Uh, but again, we're just we're just talking about we're just talking about the the ruler, you know, the aristocratic ruler here. That's all we're talking about. We're not talking about anybody special, okay? Um, that's where we're at now. Two two rich guys. That's all we're talking about, you know. Um, keep telling you guys democratic republicans they were once part of the same group i wouldn't be surprised if they pretty much uh are in cahoots together trying to just you know divide us you know through stupid shit like red and blue democrat republican I'm just saying 
just seems like a big old farce to me at this point. Uh, with all what we found out about Trump and your boy Biden, which we found out over time about, um, I mean, how can you be? How can you be so cool with this? I'm not at all. I don't like either guy. I keep trying to tell people this, but uh, we will find out who our eventual overlord will be. Yep. So we'll, we'll wait a couple days. Uh, they want to keep this. They want to keep this going as long as as possible to get the ratings on everybody's station. You know, that's all this is about. It's about control. Because if they wanted to, uh, they could call all these races now and have the and you know start the recounts and go from there. But no, they want to draw it all out. They want us to keep looking at going back and forth and looking at CBS and ABC. Everybody has different fucking election results. Nobody got no time for that shit. Y'all keep trying to play the game. I know better. It's a two. It's a two-party trap. That's all I'm gonna keep saying. Sorry, guys. I won't buy it. All right, y'all. I'm gonna call the rap for tonight. If you're looking to get in touch with me, you can hit me up on my email, ljbutler75 at gmail.com. E L J B U T L E R 75 at gmail.com. You can also catch me on Instagram at ljamal791. E L J A M A H 791. Once again, that's ljamal791. E L J A M A H 791. Also got a Facebook as well at ljamaljohnny. E L J-A-M-A-H-A-D-J-A-N-I Alright now y'all As far as what else I got planned At least in terms of the podcast um, I try to get back to you guys Either tomorrow night or Sunday morning Just to go over just to go over the top 25 The new top 25 For college football Also all of Saturday's action Of course Big 12 Oh sorry Pac-12 uh, Of course top 25 action there um, If I come back tomorrow If I come back Sunday, Sunday morning I'll also, well, maybe if, yeah, if I record Sunday, I won't do it Sunday morning. I'll just wait till Sunday night so I can include some NFL action as well. So uh, if you don't hear from me tomorrow night talking about some college football, uh, just some maybe a word on the street segment talking about some news in general, um, then I'll be back Sunday night to go over the NFL and some college football um, and just whatever pops up. Maybe if any election stuff becomes official, we'll probably go over that, of course, and then go from there. Um, of course, I'm working on a new edition of Sports Stories, uh, my second edition. If you haven't looked at the first one, it's about the 2020 uh, L.A. Lakers. And as far as how I want to just present them, I'm just going to just pre- present them to you. Uh, not so much fanfare or kind of explanation up until the point of, up until the day of or whatever. Uh, but uh, it's already kind of... Uh, been an interesting process for me so far because I had one story that I was interested in doing and, and sorry I had one story that I was interested in doing uh, right away uh, but I actually came across another story uh, just as the day went on uh, just some inf- just a, a very interesting topic to say the least it's a sombering topic of course but uh, I think it's a very it's something that um, is is built for what this series is about and I and I think it's one of those it's not and it's not like you know uh, I will give you guys a hint it's not an athlete that's you know highly publicized or anything like that uh, but it's a very interesting again a somber story nonetheless but it fits the criteria it's something that you know is very it's, a, it's one of those interesting or what you would call those provocative moments in sports that it's worth talking about especially with how the story kind of works its way um works itself out so again check out for that i will be dropping some hints about more about what it is uh but i won't really fully reveal it reveal it until uh you know i'm just about ready to start recording everything and of course i have another review for um batman forever 
course, Jim Carrey, Val Kilmer, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, so on and so forth, Nicole Kidman. Look out for that pretty soon as well. Uh, just been working. I'm just been busy, guys. Yeah, just trying to keep my uh, my head above water. Personally, got a whole lot going on, a whole lot on my plate. So, uh, thank you guys for being supportive. Thank you guys for looking at uh, my YouTube channel. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe that if you'd like. Uh, make sure uh, to listen to this if you'd like. Uh, leave any comments when you can. Hit me up in my DMs, my um, you know my email, whatever my Gmail, and uh, show some support if you can. Uh, just by listening, just by watching. Uh, that that's that's a good start there. Leave a like, like I said. Leave any comments and share it if you like. Um, all that is good. Uh, this podcast is of course available on Spotify as well, so um, it ain't too hard to find. All right, y'all. Uh, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love, and I'll let you guys later. She was gon' do it if she met me once I feel like that nigga popped them bitches set me up I like to kiss my nuts just to get me up Oh yeah, we back off Niggas that they ask for We ain't got no plaques, bro Niggas be making them racks, though The west side, we get it, get it Two doors, we dip it, dip it Click go, we sip it, man These hoes, we flip that Got my 20s, got my 50s, got my 100s Bitch, I'm coming, TMC, the shit don't stop Me and Nip is really running And the funny shit I say is that it's only just begun Niggas be up early before the sun It's money in the morning